0: The last two winners for the Texas Rangers have been nearly perfect, but what would it look like if the Rangers had a bad winner? On today's show, I'm breaking down what the worst case scenario is for the Texas Rangers in this offseason. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of this podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Paddock. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers, The best way you can help grow the show is to hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and on YouTube and to comment nearly any single thing below. Before we get into today's episode, breaking down what the worst case scenario for the Rangers this offseason is, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now to get started. Now, the Rangers haven't had a bad winter in quite a while. It's been two perfect winters or near perfect winters, basically as good of a winter as you can ask for in 2021 and in 2022. Asking for another perfect winter seems uh, greedy, seems uh, possible because the Rangers are coming off a World Series win. So it feels kind of wild to even look at the other side of the coin of what if the Rangers had a bad winter, but it is possible. You know, we got to keep ourselves humbled with these Rangers coming off of their first ever world series. When I feel like we've all started getting a little bit of a big head, M- mine included. It's, it's definitely gotten to a, a larger than, than average size of my, uh, extreme, uh, pettiness and, uh, above you, whatever uh, superiority, that's the word that I was, I was looking for. Um, But it is possible for the Rangers to miss out on some of their top targets. It is possible they miss out on bringing back Jordan Montgomery. It is possible they miss out on Shohei Otani and several other big free agents. So let's look at what the worst case scenario for those Rangers would be. Now, this worst case scenario for some of you might it start off with sounding like your best case scenario. But for me, signing Josh Ader to a five year, $88 million deal, that is $17.5 million per year. And that's the only bullpen move the Rangers make. That would be a, a, a worst case scenario for me. I think Hader is a very good reliever. He has been very consistent throughout his career. But the closers who are, uh, you know, worthy of that top dollar, the guys who are consistent year in and year out are very rare, very hard to come by. And Hayter has been kind of close to that. He had a, a really Weird year when he got traded to the Padres in 2021, I believe that or 2022 when that was um, mainly the result of a couple of really bad months. Um, but there's just some peculiarities about him that like just make me really nervous. I mean, signing any reliever to a 17 and a half million dollar year, let alone for five years, 88 million dollars. That's that's a lot of money for a reliever. I would much rather spend that money on. So he's getting say 18 million dollars a year. I'd rather spend You know, $8 million on one reliever and then $5 on two others, and that adds up to the same amount of money. Therefore, you have three guys in your pen where if one of them turns out to be having a bad year, or even two of them turn out to be having a bad year, then you still got at least one good reliever for the same price as if you had Josh Hader on a very good year. Or what if Josh Hader has a bad year? Or what if Josh Hader gets hurt? Then you put all your eggs in one basket. And that's the thing that I liked about what the Rangers did last offseason when they signed Jacob DeGrom. They said, one is not enough. We need more pitching depth. If we're going to have a guy who is a pitcher and who is, you know, fragile and vulnerable, um, then you got to go get a whole bunch of them so that um, maybe by the time you get to the end of the season, if you've been having a good season and you get to the playoffs, you've got at least a couple of guys healthy and ready to go a top year playoff rotation. And the same thing goes for the bullpen. I'd rather have more bites at the apple. The Rangers had several guys with decent stuff with a track records of past success in their bullpen and, By the time it got to October, they had three guys that were very reliable in the back end of their pen, in uh, Aroldis Chapman, in Jose Leclerc, and also the hero, Josh Spores. Now, if you're just signing one reliever, you only have one chance at that. So again, at this point, if this is their only bullpen move, their bullpen would look like this. Josh Hader is the closer. Jose Leclerc probably is the eighth-inning guy. Josh Spores as your seventh-inning guy. Then your other relievers are Brock Burke, John Hernandez, Grant Anderson and Cody Bradford, which is okay. It's not great. It's not all that much better than last year. I mean, Spores had an incredible postseason. One for the ages. He is a Rangers hero forever. And he had several good months during the season. But again, let's not pretend like we didn't see the full picture of the full season. Or let alone seasons past. Maybe this this postseason was the moment for Josh Boers. Maybe he figures it out. Maybe he's just that good for most of the rest of his career. But there's almost an equally likely chance that he's not. The same thing goes for Jose Leclerc. He was healthy in the postseason. He was much more consistent. He was finding the strike zone more often. And the velocity was was at unprecedented levels. And I'm more of a believer that Jose Leclerc has just straight up figured it out and is back to being the nastiest version of himself then I am confident that uh, Josh Spores is going to repeat what he did in the postseason and the regular season in 2024. But still, there's still a lot of other question marks on this bullpen, in this bullpen. Brock Burke, will he come back to the form that we saw in 2022? Or is he still going to be a little bit of a mess like he was in 2023? Can John Hernandez find the strike zone? Can he remember how to not walk guys? can he find a little bit of that swing and miss more so like he was in 2020 when he was absolutely incredible as opposed to what he was this year when the walks were just such a supreme issue. Um, and if Grant Anderson is in your big league bullpen, the, the two-week stretch that Grant Anderson had was fantastic. But using him consistently as an option in your pen in even medium-leverage situations is it's not ideal. It's not something that I think is super sustainable, and there might still be some guys on the farm, maybe Mark Church, who was added to the 40-man roster, maybe Antoine Kelly, who has also added to the 40-man roster. Maybe those guys are hopping up in the big league pen, and some of these guys are uh, being sent down or you know being forced into closer competition. But I just think the Rangers need to sign a couple of bullpen arms, maybe not like three or four or whatever but just multiple. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, even if that Josh Hader basket does look very appetizing. I I just don't think that it would necessarily be worth it. Now, the other worst-case scenario would be obviously the Rangers missing out on Shohei Otani. Not that that in and of itself is the worst case, but it's more about where Shohei signs. If Shohei signs with the Seattle Mariners, that's close to a worst-case scenario for the Texas Rangers. The, The Mariners, I think, are a little bit better set up to Uh, sustain their contention window for the next five years than the Astros are. Not that I think that the Mariners are going to be better than the Astros next year um, at all. They might be. It's entirely possible. they were only two wins behind them this year, and they beat up on the Houston Astros in a big, big way during the regular season, whereas the Rangers, unfortunately, did not do that. But they won the ALCS against them, so that's really all that matters. And they won the World Series, so that's also all that matters. But if the Mariners' offense, which was basically Julio Rodriguez and friends, and the friends were not exactly the most helpful friends on offense, if that offense adds a Shohei Otani, that's close to a nightmare situation for me. Honestly. Uh, the Mariners have an incredibly deep starting rotation. And then, if you add Shohei to it in 2025, which, again, is just insane, they very much have the depth to have a six-man rotation, and have all those guys be, you know, elite to well above average starting pitchers. I mean, I'm terrified of the Mariners' rotation as it currently stands right now. But you add a Shohei Otani to that. You add Shohei in 2025, and their playoff rotation looks something like Luis Castillo, then Shohei, then Logan Gilbert, and George Kirby is your number four? that's insane. That's legitimately insane and would be very terrifying to face in a playoff series for any lineup, even the Rangers lineup, which is going to be very, very good for many years to come. So the worst case scenario is, is not as much about what the Rangers do as opposed to what they don't do and their reactions to certain scenarios. Coming up, we're going to look at one of the worst-case scenarios, the worst-case scenario in my mind, in a starting pitcher that I would be absolutely terrified if the Rangers decided to sign him to a multi-year, multi-year deal right after this break from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I'm thinking there are odds on where Shohei Otani signs. I'm sure there's odds on the Rangers going back-to-back as World Series champs for next year or just straight up winning the AL West which would be fun the Rangers haven't done that in a little while so if you wanting to go put your money where your mouth is go to fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season FanDuel official partner of the NFL shout out to the everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day on tomorrow's show I'll be looking at the minor league season, reviewing all of that and how great White Langford's season was, how good Sebastian Walcott's season was, and a little bit of talk about who the Rangers projected from the Rule 5 draft, all with Grant Schiller. So go check that out. Tomorrow's going to be, it is a very great episode that is already recorded and will be in your feeds bright and early tomorrow morning. Now, let's look at the remainder of what this worst case scenario is in my mind for the Rangers offseason. So, The Rangers have already lost out on Shohei Otani. He has gone to the Mariners in this fictitious scenario. Hopefully it doesn't happen in real life, because that would be a massive, massive bummer. But the Rangers, in this scenario, also messed up by putting too many other eggs in the Shohei Otani basket, going all in and missing out. And so they also miss out on Yoshinobu Yamamoto. They also miss out on the other two, the other three top free agent pitchers in this class of Aaron Noah, Blake Snell, and they also are unable to bring back Jordan Montgomery, and cannot get Sonny Gray. This is a lot of missing out, and I. This feels almost unrealistic of the Rangers missing out on all of these guys because it feels like. They've got a decent chunk of cash to spend, and it feels like they're going to get somebody. But in the scenario where they don't, and there are only the you know mid-rotation starting pitchers, even then, like this is still not a horrible scenario. Even if the Rangers sign like, literally nobody this offseason, or say one reliever, say say they only sign Josh Hader, this is still a team that, is, that has all the pieces to go back to back. It'll be a little bit more difficult actually probably significantly more difficult if they don't sign anybody outside of just one reliever but it's still entirely possible but say they miss out on all these big free agents and there are only the mid-tier guys left the guy that scares me most in that kind of mid-tier list there's there's quite a few guys in here that I, I think are okay I mean Eduardo Rodriguez is is scary but I think he'd at least be you know durable and and has that top end that you can really dream on and, and believe in. I think Lucas Giolito would be very, very durable and, and solid, and I think the Rangers might be able to fix him, so I wouldn't be mad at all about him signing a big deal. But the guy that really just terrifies me that is projected for a four-year, $44 million deal is Jack Flaherty, the 28-year-old right-handed starting pitcher who was most recently with the Orioles and was not even good enough to crack their rotation, which clearly had some holes in it as the Rangers exposed in the ALDS series where the Rangers swept them three games to nothing. And Flaherty has got probably one of the highest upsides of these mid-tier guys, I think Giolito's upside is a little bit higher because he's actually finished in the top five for Cy Young voting more than one time. Um, Jack Flaherty has done that once in his career. It was back in 2019 as a 23-year-old. It has been a long time since then. That year was his best year of his career by far, bar none. A 2.75 ERA 33 games started, 196 innings, 231 strikeouts, um, fourth place in the Cy Young voting, 10.6 um, Ks per nine, two and a half walks per nine, just really incredible stuff for him that year. But he has only had one year where he's pitched 100 innings since then. That was this past year, and it did not go very well. He had tw- pitched in 20 games. Um, 27 of those were starts. A couple of those were just in the bullpen. Once he got traded to Baltimore, he had nine games there. Um, seven of those were starts, a 675 ERA with the Orioles, a 443 ERA, and 109 and two thirds innings with the Cardinals. Just not a great year for him at all. And that shoulder surgery, it was just sh- shoulder injuries just scare the Bejesus out of me for any pitcher. And signing him to a four year deal, Um, I don't know that he gets 4 years especially coming off a terrible back half. I mean, when the velocity is there, it, it, his numbers are just significantly significantly better. Like he very much is a guy who if he's if he's on and he's healthy and the velo is there, he can look back to his old form, look back like his old form. He, he's still pretty young. But again, it's been a long time since 2019. This it's been 5 seasons. Since 2019, and, and come 2024 it will be five years, half a decade since he was his elite form. I mean, the next year in 2020, he had a, nine starts and ERA around five. He was okay in 2021, but again, that was only 78 and a third innings. Um, 2022, he only pitched 36 innings. It's just been a real struggle for him to get back on the mound and get healthy. And while there is a decent chance that that he does pop off and he, he does regain that health and that velocity. And he looks closer to the old version of himself and a four year, $44 million deal is a steal. But I think that uh, it's not likely. It's not something that I would be banking on. It is not something that I would feel good about the Rangers taking a chance on a guy like that. Not that he's you know a bad guy or whatever. It's just... Shoulder injuries scare the absolute crap out of me for any pitcher. And so spending big money on a guy with a shoulder injury and who hasn't been super healthy or when he's been healthy, hasn't been effective the last you know, five years. It's not, it's not ideal. It's not something that I think is worth the risk. And it could be something the Rangers do if they miss out on all of those top tier guys. I mean, it, they'd probably also have to miss out on you know guys like Giolito and uh, Erod and, um, you know, Hyunjin Ryu, and uh, maybe even Kershaw. I mean, it would take a, lo- a lot of guys coming off the board for the Rangers to make a a big, splashy signing on her chance on him. Same with Luis Severino is, is a guy who's got a lot of upside. I might be more inclined to, to take a chance on Luis Severino than I would be on Jack Flaherty, just because Severino hasn't had any shoulder injuries, and so I, I think he's there's more of a chance that he writes the ship um, than Jack Flaherty does. There's just, there's so many guys in this free agency class that even as I'm saying this, it feels like I'm just being too pessimistic. This doesn't feel like a realistic worst case scenario, but I'm, I'm trying to just, you know, bring us all back to center of, you know, every, every winter can't be the best winter ever. You can't always spend $500 million and bring in, you know, the two best players at their position, the best shortstop and the best second baseman in their position. And then the next offseason, you go and get the best pitcher that is um, on the market or in baseball, again, when healthy. You can't always just get that top tier guy. And eventually, eventually, Chris Young is going to have to learn how to handle missing out on his top tier free agent because, like I said, He's not always going to be able to sign the guy he wants to the absolute most. Coming up, we're going to look at why that's so important, what past GMs for the Rangers have done as great backup signing plans, and why Chris Young has already kind of done that in his young tenure as the Rangers GM. Right after this word from our sponsors. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day on Monday's show. I'll be back and talking about what Corey Seager did this season, why it might be the greatest single season from any Ranger in franchise history. Now, let's look at the rest of these backup plans. Why backup plans are so incredibly important. Because arguably, no, I, I one of the top three, maybe number two, Signing free agent signing in Texas Rangers franchise history is Adrian Beltre, and Adrian Beltre signed with the Rangers in the winter of 2010. Coming off the Rangers' first ever appearance in the World Series, the first year that they'd ever even won a single postseason series, the Rangers wanted to bring back Cliff Lee. That was their top free agent priority in the winter of 2010. The Rangers missed out on Cliff Lee. He went to the Phillies and uh, was decent there for a few years, and injuries kind of derailed the end of his career. But the Rangers missed out on their top free agent priority. And so John Daniels, GM at the time, said, "Okay, well, we have all this cash burning a hole in our pocket. And, you know, third base is is okay. Michael Young's pretty good there. Um, But what if we moved Michael Young to a DH slash super utility role and we added the top third baseman on the market? They went out and signed this guy, Adrian Beltre, who had had a few pretty good seasons in his career coming off his first ever All-Star appearance after signing a one-year prove-it deal with the Boston Red Sox. And Adrian Beltre was signed to a five-year, $80 million deal, which was an absolute steal. Becomes one of the most beloved, one of the best players in franchise history. Will go into the Hall of Fame this coming year with a big ol' Texas T on his cap. And that was your second choice? That's a pretty darn good second choice. There have been other times where John Daniels wasn't quite able to get his top free agent priority. Uh, In 2000, I believe it was before the 2019 season, maybe it was before 2020, I know, I think it was before 2019, uh, he missed out on signing Anthony Rendon. That was by far the Rangers' top free agent priority at the time. Oh boy, what a great miss that was. Uh, I mean, looking at that contract and and how Anthony Rendon has just been so incredibly hurt for the last you know three <laughs> three seasons basically it is uh it's looking like it, it didn't hurt the Rangers too much because the Rangers went out and they signed Mike Minor to a deal after that to be a starting pitcher coming off of a great run in the bullpen with the Kansas City Royals it had been a while since Mike Minor had been a starting pitcher and it worked out he had a couple of top 10 cy young vote getting seasons the Rangers traded him off for Dustin Harris um, who is a Pretty good prospect in the Rangers system at this point. It spent last year in AAA. And uh, even they got half season, uh, the A's got half season of Mike Miner not looking nearly like himself in 2020 for Dustin Harris. It was a pretty darn good deal for the Rangers, including those couple of very good seasons from Mike Miner himself. Now, Chris Young, he has gotten his top target each of the last two off-seasons. Now, he wasn't the main man in charge when the Rangers signed Seager and Semy, but he was a big part of that process. He was in the in the mix. He was a part of the group at that time, so he hasn't really seen what it's like for the Rangers to completely pivot when they miss out on their top choice. Now, it did miss out on a second choice last year. This was after the Rangers had already signed Jacob DeGrom. They had already brought back Martín Perez. They had already signed Andrew Heaney. And it looked like the, the five-man rotation was was pretty much there. They'd also traded for Jake Odorizzi. So even if the Rangers wanted to go with a six-man rotation, they had plenty of options. And uh, it looked like Dane Dunning was going to be uh, in the bullpen as the sixth man at that point. Um, but the Rangers also wanted a left fielder last year. And they wanted to go get Michael Conforto. That was a guy who they were perpetually linked to. It looked like it was, it was going to happen. It looked like it was almost a sure thing because there weren't a whole lot of other suitors that were as serious about signing Michael Conforto as the Rangers were. And then, a curious thing happened with Carlos Correa's ankle and the x-rays. If, this is the first time, I think, in forever that we've seen some kind of big deal that was already agreed to in principle before the um, the physical happened um, fall apart because of a physical. And an issue, we call Correa's ankle, meant that... The San Francisco Giants said, mm, no, thank you. We're actually not going to sign you to what was, I believe, like a 10-year or 12-year deal, something, something massive. And uh, they instead pivoted and went ahead and signed Michael Conforto. And so the Rangers said, okay, well, we still have a little bit of change left over for our budget for who we can sign in free agency. But yeah, we've got a lot of these starting pitchers. And yeah, a lot of them have some uh, you know, injury concerns, including Jacob DeGrom. What if we just got just one more? Just one more guy for our starting rotation. It was about Christmas at this time, around uh, between Christmas and New Year's, and Chris Young was like, I, I know, sorry to my family who I- I'm working during Christmas time, but let's go ahead and get this guy, Nate Ivaldi." And that turned out to be, well, I, I still think Jacob DeGrom is going to be absolutely incredible, but in terms of value for your buck, I mean, of all the deals signed last year, last off season. I think it's going to be very difficult for anybody to say that Nate Ivaldi wasn't the best value, the most important signing for almost any team in last winter's free agent class. And that was a backup plan. So it seems like Chris Young has already figured out how to, you know, not only get his top targets, it's not just in free agency of getting the top targets of Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. And I think John Gray was their top, pitching free agent target in 2021. And then last year, you go out and you get Jacob DeGrom, you go out and you get Andrew Heaney, you go out and you get Nate Eovaldi, and you also get your top, you know, not technically free agent target, but managerial target in Bruce Bochin you talk him out of retirement. And Obviously, that worked out really well. But the Rangers have just, you know, swung for the fences and hit on <laughs> pretty much all of their top targets the last couple of years. And, you know, if... <laughs> If bringing back Jordan Montgomery is their top target, then I think they'll do that. If signing Shohei Otani is their top target, I'm finding it hard-pressed to bet against Chris Young and his ability to convince basically anybody of anything that they want. I mean, if if Chris Young tried to convince me to be, like, I I don't know. I don't know what he could convince me to do. I don't know what he couldn't convince me to do. That man, I would do... I would do a lot of things for that man who brought the Texas Rangers, and me personally, a lot of joy for them winning their first ever championship. So, I mean, sitting here and analyzing what the worst case scenario is, like, there's not a whole lot of bad moves that the Rangers could make, or that they, I guess, they could make a lot of bad moves. But there's not a whole lot that I think that they would make, because there's just been not very many wrong steps. The closest thing to a really wrong step has been... Well, there all this Chapman trade of trading away Cole Reagans, who ended up being immediately amazing for the Royals. But, hey, the Rangers won it all. So it's it it doesn't really matter. Cole Reagans go be amazing in Kansas City and then become free agent and and come back to Texas in five years or however long your service time lasts with them. Um, But there just haven't been that many missteps. I mean, yeah, Luis and Acuna could end up being absolutely amazing for the Mets, and uh, Scherzer could be... Not great next year for the Rangers, but hey, the Rangers won it all. He made it a trade for Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton, and Stratton wasn't that great. Monty was amazing, but it could turn out that Thomas Sejasey and Tacole Roby are absolutely sensational for years to come for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cool. It doesn't matter. The Rangers got a ring. So sitting here and trying to analyze uh what, what could what could go wrong for the Rangers. I mean, obviously there's some some other things that could go wrong. You could have, you know, some random injury to a player like like the Derek Holland or I mean the Rangers have had several weird injuries in the last like ten years of Derek Holland, you know, falling down the stairs or whatever it actually was of him like playing hockey with his dogs. Um, or um <laughs> the uh Martin Perez injury of getting, you know gored by his own bull and missing significant time or rugin O'Dor, door. Like what is it? Falling off a horse. There's been a lot of weird injuries, a lot of weird baseball injuries that, you know, could randomly happen in this off season. Uh, I would like for, you know, Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer and uh, Nate Yavaldi and really, really, all the pitchers on the Rangers roster, just put them in bubble wrap or cryo sleep for the next like three months or whatever, just, you know, protect them at all costs. But it's, it's hard to imagine a worst-case scenario that's likely, that's actually very bad. Because, again, with the Rangers having won the entire friggin' thing just two weeks ago, or I guess a little, uh, two weeks, 15 days ago, as you're listening to this, or maybe 16, whatever, there's not a whole lot that can really hurt the Rangers. As the roster is currently constructed, that's kind of the point I've been trying to get to this entire episode, is that there's there's not much the Rangers could do wrong. There's a lot of avenues for the Rangers to go. There's a lot of options of adding to the starting rotation, of adding to the bullpen. There's a lot of good free agent pitchers available, and there's some good free agent hitters available. Rangers don't really need to add a single hitter to their starting lineup. If Ezekiel Duran right now is your everyday, you know, DH at this point, and then you got the wait for Wyatt Langford to prove himself absolutely ready for the big leagues, which he could do in spring training. He he could absolutely do that. Or, you know, he might need another, like, full season of seasoning in AAA, and that'd be just fine because, again, he's going to be 22 for all of next year. And he was just drafted, like, six months ago. Not even six months ago, like, four, five months ago. (laughs) So, again, the Rangers are an incredibly good place because of all the work they did the last two winters, that it feels like at this point, especially after winning a championship, you're, you're playing with house money. Like if they go out there and they sign somebody to a big, long deal, and it doesn't work out, like say they sign, you know, Shohei to a ten-year deal, and then his arm just falls off and he forgets how to baseball which, again, is feels like an insane scenario. That just absolutely would not happen. But even if that does happen, the Rangers have, you know, $500 million tied up to Shohei Otani for the next 10 years, and he is just on the shelf and hurt, or turns out, like, Anthony Rendon, who just, like, cannot get on the field. Even if that happens, it doesn't really matter, because, again, the Rangers won the whole freaking thing, and this front office is incredibly smart and incredibly hungry for more, so... I just don't see that many worst case scenarios that are like bad. I mean I mean, look at this. in my worst case scenario, the Rangers signed the best closer on the market to add to a bullpen that was very good in October but very, very shaky throughout the entirety of the regular season. Like <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> how good a position the Texas Rangers are in. It feels really good to just sit here and kind of gloat and bask in the light of the Rangers winning it all for the first time. I knew it would feel good, but I didn't know it would feel this good that I'm sitting here and cocky like, yeah, there's literally not a single thing the Rangers could do wrong, which is kind of an insane place to get to. But hey, it is an insanely ni- nice place that the Rangers have put their fans in for this winter. I'm looking forward to what they actually do end up making you know, who they do end up bringing in. It's just kind of a scenario of, oh, cool, that'll be fun. That'd be fun to get this guy or that guy or the other guy. Because once you win it all, it is hard to see anything but the positives for this Texas Rangers squad. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series champion Texas Rangers baseball.